This is uh, Jim Fetzer, your host on The Real Deal. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. It looks like one of those scenes of an old building being purposely dynamited and blown. When we are successful, I'm just a patsy. And we will be. We're ready to make, uh, to come to the microphone, so we'll listen up. A new world order. So my name's Robbie Parker. It might have appeared that way, but from my close-up inspection, there's no evidence of a plane having crashed anywhere near the Pentagon. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories concerning the attacks of September the 11th. President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Live from the Media Broadcasting Center. 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 This is uh, Jim Fetzer, your host on The Real Deal, with my special guests today, Gary King and Don Fox. I'm going to lay out some of the evidence that makes it obvious that the Parkland shooting in Florida was a political operation purely to promote the DNC to get Debbie Wasserman Schultz off the hook to try to revive the political prospects of the Democratic Party. Anyone who was paying attention would have noticed that they had an Instagram with a so-called gunman wearing a Make America hat again. I mean, what was that supposed to tell us? That this is what you can expect from Trump supporters? I mean, it's embarrassingly bad. Plus, it was only a hop, skip, and a jump from Mar-a-Lago to the school in Parkland. That meant it was going to be confronting Trump right in his face. Not only that, but the timing was exquisite. Just at the time that the Russian hacking drill uh, meme is falling apart, that it's exposing the corruption between the FBI, the Department of Justice, the DNC, uh, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Hillary Clinton, they had to change the narrative. They haven't found anything about Trump, no collusion. They need something else to campaign upon. They have seized upon this, which was also time to coincide with the Florida legislature taking up a concealed carry, broadening the opportunities and even allowing teachers to carry as well. And, of course, it would be in the district of Debbie Wasserman Schultz, dual U.S.-Israeli citizen, should we be surprised, where uh, Debbie, of course, is the uh, promulgator of a whole host of debauchery by the DNC, including sabotaging the Bernie Sanders campaign, which I regard as ironic because had they allowed Bernie to win the nomination fair and square, depriving him by giving 13 primaries he won to Hillary Clinton, I believe he would have been very competitive with Trump and might even have become president of the United States. Then we have the superintendent of the Broward Schools District coming down from Chicago where he, where he worked with Rahm Emanuel, who, of course, had a torrid affair with Barack Obama before Obama became president and brought him in as his chief of staff. We have the amazing phenomenon of the Scott Israel being Broward County's first Jewish sheriff. He campaigned as a Talmudic Jew, cited the Talmud, where we all know that the Talmud is perhaps the most racist piece of propaganda ever published in history, espousing the theory of Jewish superiority, where all the other races, the the non-Jews, exist only to serve the Jews. They're referred to as goyim. 
You're entitled, according to the Talmud, to steal, cheat, lie, and otherwise abuse the, the, the goyim, where, where Jews are as superior to the goyim as humans generally are superior to other animals. And talk about insulting of all, they picked a school named after a, a woman who was an American journalist, writer, feminist, and environmentalist known for her staunch defense of the Everglades against efforts to drain it. What could be a more obvious signal to Trump that he must not drain the swamp, that those attempts must end? And, of course, immediately there were demands for gun control, immediate demands for gun control. And let me make an obvious point. There was a drill this day as well, and one reason they combine drills with these false flag attacks is they can take photographs during the drill they can present as though though they had happened during the real deal, which in this case, as we shall see, was very elaborately staged. The sole event was to turn students into DNC, DWS activists. It's embarrassing. Yoishichi Shimatsu had a brilliant article about the Valentine's Day massacre saving Debbie Wasserman Schultz Dems from the AWAN probe. The congresswoman from Broward County, Florida, had this to say in the wake of the school massacre in her district. We must do something about this senseless epidemic of gun violence, and we must do it now. Her message is clear. Gun control is a prime issue for the midterm elections in Florida, where 11 Democrat-held seats have been up for grabs due to the Imran Awad spy scandal in the House of Representatives. The main sponsor for the Pakistani computer service team that gained real-time classified files was this same congresswoman from Broward County, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, head of the DNC at the time of the murder of Seth Rich and the mysterious death of lawyer Sean Lucas, who had served a class action suit on behalf of Bernie Sanders supporters against the DNC, along with the killing of other DNC foes, even including the human rights lawyer, nationally, actually internationally renowned, who was the attorney for Julian Assange, who wound up in front of a subway in London. The modus operandi behind the Parkland shooting cast further suspicion onto Debbie Wasserman Schultz, heiress of the retirement home of former Murder Incorporated bookkeeper and mafia boss Meyer Lansky. Broward is mob country, site of the Gulfstream racetrack, casinos, recruitment ground for Lansky's attempt to regain control of his Havana casinos and the misguided venture known as the... Yeah, and Meyer Lansky is prominent in the JFK assassination, and he's Jewish. Yes. Was Jewish. Yeah, Yeah, he died in Israel... Yes. He was facing charges here, and he fled to Israel because there is no extradition treaty with Israel. Our greatest <laughs> ally. Our greatest ally. Yeah. Isn't no that treaty. interesting? The Clinton-Bush mafia, the sudden shift of the Florida political narrative from the impending court trial of DWS-linked Pakistani Saudi spy Irwan Awan to the school shooting is, of course, the capper on a string of murders linked with Debbie Wasserman Schultz her ability to evade investigation, much less prosecutions, indicates she's not acting alone, but as a support of the Clinton-Bush political criminal network. Florida's the turf of former Governor Jeb Bush and also Marco Rubio, both beneficiaries from the first edition of the Forged Trump-Russia dossier paid for by Paul Singer, Jewish publisher of the neocon Washington Free Beacon. 
Yeah, De- Debbie, Wasser- Debbie Wasserman Schultz is, of course, Jewish. And, of course, she's tightly integrated into the, into the Jewish uh, cabal. Well, all these gun control efforts, uh, Don, uh, Gary, it turned out to be based upon a false premise. You'd suppose increased gun ownerships means increased homicide rate, but the facts are just the opposite, that there's an inverse relationship. The greater the gun ownership, the lower the homicide rate. Look at North America, U.S. and Canada. They have among the highest gun ownership rates in the world, but look at the Lord. They also have among the lowest homicide rates. Other areas such as Latin America, South America, Brazil, Africa have among the lowest gun ownership but the highest homicide rate. So it appears you can have either high gun ownership and low homicide rates or low gun ownership and high homicide rates, which ought to be uh, clear to anyone who looks at Chicago, which has among the most stringent gun control uh, laws in the country and nevertheless has one of the highest gun violence and homicide rates in the well, whole world. Yeah, Chicago is mainly a black city at this point, and black males are, they account, they're like 5% of the population, but they they account for 50% of the murders. Pretty they, interesting. You'd think that, uh, you know, guns are the only way people can be killed. It turns out that. There were 14,521 knife crime offenses in London in the past 12 months up to January 2018, with stabbings in London at their highest level in six years, a 23% rise from the previous year. So, you know, if you want to kill somebody, you don't need to have a gun to do it. Admittedly, uh, they make it perhaps easier, but the fact of the matter is high gun ownership is inversely correlated with homicide rates. And what do you do if you feel you're in fear or jeopardy? You call the police. Why? Because they have guns. But the response time for the police is sufficient that most of the mayhem has occurred long before they arrived. You may have had your daughter raped, your wife murdered. You may have been mugged before the police even show up if you're not able to defend yourself. Taking guns away from law-abiding citizens is monumentally stupid. These students are being used and abused by the Democratic National Party for political purposes, for pawns. They have no idea which end is up when it comes to gun control. They're just getting time out of school, and who knows? They may even be picking up a few bucks on the sign. Freedom Daily conducted a, a poll in the wake of the school shootings. Which form of gun control should the U.S. adopt? Ban AR rifles, 6%. Offer free concealed carry and licenses to public school teachers, 29%. Hire military vets to guard our schools, 49%. Install metal protectors in our schools, 16 If you ask these students what should be done about gun control, I guarantee you, except for those who've already been carefully trained, they won't have an answer. They have no idea what they're talking about. Well, Dr. Fetzer, what I want to say here in New Orleans It was today at 10 o'clock in the morning. All of the schools had children walk out because they demanded to make schools safe again. And uh, our friend Nathan actually didn't let his his child go to school because he knew. And let's be clear to everyone that the Parkland shooting is an absolute laughable hoax. And But the problem is that they're co-opting and – actually running a PSYOP on our children, and, and they've bitten it hook, line, and sinker. And on 
all of the radio station. It was the eight, eight, let's see, at the um, ALCU or something like that. ACLU. Yeah. SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Center. Right. That's who was on the radio today, you know? And they were all just saying, well, what should we do? Should we punish the children because they're walking out? Should their parents be allowed to give them a, a uh, slip so they can walk out of school? Um, but the main well, thing, they're demanding that you take their rights away. Well you, may, well, you may think all these students are spontaneous, but it turns out that these uh, efforts were all organized, orchestrated by Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And as I pointed out, the timing was exquisite in relation to the Florida legislature contemplating gun control measures that would have made concealed carry easier. What could be more obvious than that you would cope with a problem like this, not by doing away with guns, because the criminals aren't going to give up their guns, but by adding additional layers of security at the school, more security guards or teachers who are carrying concealed carry and administrators too. What could be more obvious? This thing was uh, orchestrated by MoveOn.org and Debbie Wasserman Schultz well in advance, it's obvious. There were a lot of early signs that things weren't right. A student who survived the Parkland School shooting said, we were told the police would do a fake code red with fake guns. Another student, a 15-year-old, said they were told there'd be an active shooter drill at their school this week. He said that's why students thought they were participating in a drill when they were being evacuated. Is this every single time this has happened? Every single time? You got it. The Army people told the kids to not look around at the bodies they moved and hid under mats. That's because they were fake bodies. They may well have been mannequins. They, they are using makeup and, you know, gore as, a, as though it were a Hollywood event in order to make these uh, drills appear to be more realistic. And often the students don't know the difference. Here's a tell. Secret Service was present, changed school security policy several weeks before the shooting. Uh, not, not only did a senior report that, but a teacher uh, had also confirmed it on a talk show. The student's testimony dovetails with buried reports a fire drill and an active shooter drill were, in fact, already scheduled for Valentine's Day. They don't want you to know that. A teacher at the school told MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, her that she and other staff were told at the beginning of the semester an active shooting drill would be taking place sometime during the semester and that it would be unannounced. Why would the Secret Service have changed security protocols in the Stoneman Douglas High School unannounced to teachers and other staff just weeks before the shooting? There's a poll by Intel Hub, 61%. They were in on it. 32%. They had foreknowledge. 7%. It was just a coincidence. How could anyone imagine it would be just a coincidence? I mean, this is absurd. Right. So, Dr. Fester, now we have 16 indications of Secret Service complicity now? Well, we always had. We always had. Oh, yeah. There you go, Gary. Indeed, a security camera was taken from the freshman building entrance in advance of the park flag, so you wouldn't have any, any video footage. And so just like Las Vegas, the authorities are hiding the surveillance footage of the Parkland shooting because it would show it was a drill that no one was being killed. It was all being faked by very poor acting and other forms of, of uh, deception. 
Indeed, it even turns out the security footage from the Florida school was on a 26-minute delay. Now just ask yourself, what possible good can it do for those who are responding to an emergency if the video surveillance is on a 26-minute delay? These are all signs that this was a completely staged event, carefully crafted. Here's some additional proof of Parkland fakery, Gary. Here's an expert who resides in Florida. This guy has a military background, a school background. He's a real expert. He's got a wonderful layout here of exactly how it was done. Let, let me uh, let me uh, play it for you. It's uh, about seven minutes. My name is John Bouchel, and I am not a bot. I was in school administration after spending a stint in the military. I was a teacher, a coach, and later became an administrator. Like most athletic males, I was assigned as part of the school security team. Eventually, I was trained by the Department of Homeland Security, several sheriff's departments, and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, GBI. Prior, I was trained in the military. I was a combat crew member and a certified marksman with both rifles, pistols, M16, and 40 caliber Colt. With an Oak Leaf Cluster, multiple awards, I was a likely person to help with school security and had an extensive background in technology and video surveillance as well. I held an SCI security clearance, which is the very highest we have in America. I say these things to help you understand my background and to weigh my opinion as to the events in Parkview, Florida, 30 minutes from my home where I live, now retired from school administration. As an administrator in charge of a large high school of 1,800 students and 140 employees, I held tabletop exercises and wrote publications and helped with multiple school and multi-jurisdictional school systems training as a developer and a presenter. Never did I hear from, receive information from, or was contacted by, read any publications, or gathered statistics from the United States Secret Service. Not once, ever. Yet three weeks prior to the shooting in Florida, the United States Secret Service was not only at the school, they held the training. I talked to one of my teachers. Uh, in fact, it was the same teacher that I ended up being with, um, you know, yesterday when all of this went down. And he said that the Secret Service came and trained them on what the new safety protocols would be. I have also, despite actually thwarting a school shooting by an armed predator at my school, have never seen, spoke with, or was interviewed or contacted by the FBI or the United States Secret Service. It's worthy to note that the 911 response time was in excess of 20 minutes. In fact, I was only contacted by a few reporters. No reporters ever contacted my students for interviews or opinions. I never spoke to a national law enforcement agent, much less the United States Secret Service. So to hear the FBI were the first responders, only beating CNN by minutes, in a wealthy Florida area saturated with law enforcement, shocked me. Seeing the amazing amount of CNN coverage, so well organized and all espousing one message, and only one message, is equally troubling. Seeing a student saying she actually walked with the shooter while evacuating and heard shots, shocked me. You were walking down the hall. He had already fired at that time. Yes, sir, with him. Weren't you scared? Um, in the moment, I wasn't because there was obviously definitely another shooter involved. Seeing video of a student telling us she was told they would have a drill that day with actors deeply troubles me. 
Because they're playing us through drills, and we all thought this was a drill. The only thing they worried about, people thought that it was just another like, intense drill. They got almost a drill before when they were going to be shooting blank. Seeing the same young man over and over who visited CNN that day and whose father is an FBI agent troubles me. Seeing and hearing the same narratives over and over that conflict with every aspect of training and experience I have is extremely unsettling. I saw video interviews of students claiming multiple shooters. This is troubling as well. I realized that the shooter apparently pulled the fire alarm to create chaos and provide a richer target environment. That alarm would have sent a signal to its precise time and location. At least one interview I watched was a student saying her doorknob was rattled, and she heard a voice saying, go try another door. This needs exploration. In my utterly qualified expert opinion, there are several troubling facts being dispensed that I refuse to accept. Some of them are, why was the shooter visited 39 times by local law enforcement but never placed on a watch list? Why was his extensive school discipline not compiled and then presented to the school board for total expulsion from the schools? Why was the FBI first to respond when the school is so close to the police department and an officer with a radio was supposedly on campus? How did CNN have so many kids in place to echo their exact verbiage and focus on the actual weapon and not the shooter? Why isn't the alleged United States Secret Service involvement in a public school being examined? Who is this reoccurring student that has family in the FBI? Why are the interviews that do not agree with the one shooter or the narrative that CNN is pushing being heard? Why aren't the multiple videos available? With the floor plan that I have seen, I would have had approximately 22 cameras in that building and over 140 in my school. I realize that some of the videos will be used for the trial of the shooter. However, it is in the interest of the public to see some of the unused footage that is available. Why was the United States Secret Service at this school providing training three weeks prior? And how was the weakest, sloppiest, and most often not on real-location news company all over this son of the FBI agent with an amazing and uncanny ability to find a news camera in multiple states in the last six months? Did this infamous teenager actually graduate already? Has the United States Secret Service ever been to any other schools to supervise and provide training for an active shooter situation? How could the United States Secret Service possibly visit all 22,000 high schools in the United States? And how would they be chosen? Who identified this shooter? And how did law enforcement track him to the retail store he was arrested at? Why has the entire CNN narrative been to attack the Second Amendment when at least three government institutions, possibly five if you count DFACS, failed miserably to help the mentally ill. Why has the school district decided to demolish this building like they did at Sandy Hook if their narrative is true and correct? Why not allow the forensics to be published and to be explored completely? All in all, my professional opinion is this stinks to the high heavens. Either we are surrounded by the most incompetent news people in the world, who don't ask questions or give a damn about these murders or have no concept of why this happened and will happen again soon. I, for one, am sick to death of the fake news outlets pretending that this is about a rifle. It's not. It's about a mentally ill person, totally abandoned and discarded and politically expediently ignored by multiple agencies allowed to commit inhumane acts of terror due to incompetence. Johnny Bravo at John Bouchel.
My name is John Bush. I thought that was uh, quite a brilliant critique overall. Now, among the victims who are named in the indictment are Aaron Feist, who was supposed to be a coach who gave his life for his students, and Scott Bagel. Among those wounded are uh, uh, Samantha Fuentes, uh, 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 Stacy Lippel, uh, and, and others whose cases we are going to review here, including Madeline Wilford. Uh, uh, we start with the, the coach, Aaron Feist, who appears to have attended one of the funerals. When you look at his size and girth, when you look at the shape and size of his head, when you look at the distribution of hair, uh, when you look at the glasses, the, the, the probability that you'd have someone with all of those features, just like those of the coach who would be attending the funeral thereafter, Uh, by chance, is incredibly remote. It has to be approaching a very, very small number, even zero. So it it looks as though we had a case here, as we did at Sandy Hook, where one of the kids, uh, Jimmy Mattioli, uh, couldn't resist attending his own funeral. Here's a coach attending one. Here's another of the students who's supposed to have been shot in the leg. You notice how it's uh, quite an elaborate arrangement with the braces and so forth on his leg, but it turns out when he rotates, when he turns to greet his family, his leg doesn't move. When you, when you zoom in on the leg, it has no toenails. In other words, we're talking here about a prosthetic leg, and this is only one of multiple uh, fake actors here among the students. Well, the most interesting uh, is this woman, Stacy Lipple claims to have been grazed by a hot bullet, which left the chamber of the shooter's gun as he closed the door to her classroom. She suddenly, this is her report, I suddenly saw the shooter about 20 feet in front of me standing at the end of the hallway, actively shooting down the hallway, just a barrage of bullets. I'm staring at it and thinking, why are the police here? This is strange because he's in full metal garb, helmet, face mask, bulletproof armor, shooting this rifle I've never seen before. According to Stacy, she told fellow Stoneman Douglas High School teacher Scott Bagel, 35, to get back in his room just before the shooter fired a number of rounds into his room, killing him and other students. Lippel said the shooter fired four to five rounds into her classroom, which shattered the door before the heavily clad assassin continued his shooting spree down the hallway. According to her, this included the death of, of two of her favorite students. Now, according to the official timeline, this would have had to be within two minutes and 33 seconds of, the, of Cruz being dropped off by an Uber driver at the curb, uh, at making his way to the east stairwell, putting on a full metal garb of helmet, face mask, bulletproof armor, and begin shooting, which is a fantastic scenario. So just as the one student previously said she was with Cruz but could hear bullets being fired elsewhere, Uh, which appear to have been blanks, uh, we have to accept that there may have been two, one who was so dressed. But here's from a 25-year police officer, 15 years general detective, who has interviewed many uh, subjects of dramatic events. Uh, When I was interviewing those directly affected by these crimes, especially women, they would have what I would refer to as moments of reflection. In other words, when they were describing in detail what happened, they'd briefly relive the moment. Sometimes they'd start crying. 
Other times they'd begin stuttering. Many would show anger or clench their teeth or fists. Others would stop talking completely and request a moment to compose themselves and gather their thoughts. You get the idea. Because they were reliving the trauma and are going through a sort of grief process. Some even develop post-traumatic stress syndrome. The fact this teacher displayed none of these signs is to me quite telling. In fact, it's incongruous with my experience. Here are a few reasons why Stacy Lipple should have shown emotion. She should have quite literally been in fear for her life, placed in a traumatic life and death event. We lose control of our fine motor skills. The brain's higher functioning and cognitive responses are superseded by our primal instinct to survive. Sue, the teacher showed us she came face to face with the shooter. That would have been terribly frightening, yet when she describes it, she has little emotion. Three, she states two of her students were shot and killed inside her classroom. By her own description of these students, she led us to believe they were among her very favorites. Again, she doesn't tell us with any emotion. Fourth, most telling of all, she stated fellow teacher Scott Bagel was gunned down in the classroom across the hall. Well, this is quite curious. I went online and began reviewing teacher certifications for the state of Florida Department of Education website. I found the teacher certification and license for Stacy Lippel. I also found both a teaching license and a coaching certification for the football coach and shooting hero Aaron Feist, who appears to have attended the funeral post-mortem. Post, uh, Even uh, every teacher mentioned with regard to the shooting appeared to have current teaching licenses except one, though Scott Bagel was said to have been both a geography teacher and boys cross-country coach. I could find no such certification, no teaching license, no coaching certification. Apparently, he had previously taught there, but left in 2012 and returned to his previous state of New York. This means that Stacy Lipple's story of witnessing Bagel get shot by the suspect is not possible. It, in fact, is apocryphal. In other words, she is lying. Here's a, a photograph of Stacy Bagel, a geography teacher, was killed as he tried to usher students back into his classroom, according to her. If he was a permanent teacher in Florida, why did he... Uh, have Florida only as a temporary address with his permanent home and phone number in New York. Why has his name been redacted from the official victims of the supposed charge against the shooters? Here we have Sheriff Israel and Scott Bagel pictured together at an NYPD Shoreroom Society event. In fact, that may have been the South Florida Shoreroom Society, where the Shoreroom Society is a is an organization for Jewish police officers, which may have had an important role here. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. That's what we were told. Most Americans never believed Lee Oswald was the lone gunman, for excellent reasons. In fact, there were at least six shooters who fired from eight to ten shots or more who are identified here. We have, finally, the solution to the greatest murder mystery in history, laid out for the world to see proof after proof after proof. Photos were faked, the body was changed, x-rays were altered, the home movies were fixed. Fifteen experts contribute to a 529-page book with 1,037 photos and diagrams in black and white and color. Hi, this is Gary King. If you'd like JFK, who, how, and why, and would like to support the new JFK show, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com.
other students are doing a very poor job of acting. Look at these three. It turns out there are victims in the school shooting for which it's been impossible to turn up birth certificates as though they were never born. This is rather analogous to Sandy Hook, where we had photographs of the kids that were made up actually out of photographs of older kids when they were younger. Wolfgang Halbig has found this photograph of eight Sandy Hook girls, all grown up, looking very cute, juxtaposed with their photographs when they were allegedly killed on 14 December 2012. Here we have three others backstage at the uh, Ellen Show, three students, Emma Gonzalez, Cameron Caskey, and Jacqueline Corrett, mugged rock stars uh, style for a video clip. This is uh, These are the three grieving students, broadly smiling, laughing, waiting to their adoring fans, and this is only a few days after the purported shooting. That seems rather incongruous indeed. Here you have a, 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 a female student who was interviewed on the Today Show, where Matt Lauer recently got the book. Samantha Guthrie was gushing over him, over this student. She asked, didn't you have a, a friend who was also shot? And the student faked tears and said, yes, she didn't make it, as though she'd been killed. According to her, she was in Holocaust class when the guns went off. She even said that she was able to protect herself and deflect shots by holding up a book. She said it was a small book, but apparently it succeeded in defecting bullets. I say, this is nonsense of the highest degree. Here we have uh, two students, one who's become ubiquitous on the right, David Hogg, to whom we shall return. But it's very interesting how Kelsey Friend, the 14-year-old, says it was like a movie set. It looked so real, but it felt so fake. I think Kelsey put her finger right on it. Here we have more absurdities, including a doctor who claims that a woman who was shot in the torso and the chest has already healed uh, about uh, less than two weeks after the shooting. This is a manifest absurdity. Here you have Maddie Wilford shot three times in Parkland. So grateful to be here. She's supposed to have been bleeding from three bullet holes. Uh, uh, she made signs of life. Here, she walked into a conference room at Boward, flanked by her parents, and notice the date, February 26th. The shooting was on the 14th. This is 12 days later. Walking into a conference center, flanked by her parents, and cast on her arm the only outward sign of the injuries that could have killed her. Doctors mm-hmm. said the bullet wounds to her torso, torso and abdomen had essentially healed and she could be physically ready to return to school as early as next week. This is a medical miracle. Here's a doctor, Chiparenko, said wounds on Ms. Wilford's chest and abdomen had already healed. Young people have a tendency to heal very fast, he said. A bullet wound on her upper arm, which had injured two tendons, would take more time. She's very, very lucky, the doctor said. We're talking about large caliber bullets penetrating through the chest and abdomen. Those are serious injuries, indeed. They're characteristically fatal. He doesn't even get the caliber right because the AR-15 fires a 223 Remington round that's only slightly larger than a 22. It's not large caliber. I consulted with a former uh, uh, Marine Corps intelligence officer. He wrote, this is 10 levels beyond ridiculous. Any torso wound is deadly serious. Incidentally, a 223 caliber bullet is not large caliber but small. Its horrendous wounding power comes from its very high velocity. He goes on to describe the effects of different types of rounds. 
and concludes, this story is completely unbelievable, and anyone who knows anything about the terminal ballistics of the 223 caliber cartridge knows that. Here we have another student who's able to cover her AR-15 wounds with Band-Aids. The New York Times actually wrote an article about the traumatic character of wounds that uh, are inflicted by an AR-15, including x-rays. They are massive wounds. They, they tend to be extraordinarily damaging. The article begins, perhaps no one knows the devastating wounds inflicted by assault-style rifles better than the trauma surgeons who struggle to repair them. The doctors say they're haunted by their experiences confronting injuries so dire they struggle to find wounds to confront them. Well, here we have Stacy Fluentes. This is a story of February 21st, one week after the shooting on the 14th. Leaves hospital. Still has shrapnel behind her eye. Samantha Fluentes, 18, a senior at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, was shot in both legs and struck in the face with shrapnel. She currently has multiple stitches in her cheek, forehead, and a bruise around her right eye. Look at that bruise. That's a nice job of makeup. She said she was shot in both legs with an AR-15, has shrapnel behind one of her eyes, but one week later still manages to put in her nose ring, put on her bracelet, wear her off-the-shoulder top, and paint her nails. Here she is walking and being interviewed by reporters after only one week, and her leg now requires only Band-Aids for the AR-15 wounds. I mean, this is preposterous. It's complete nonsense. Complete nonsense. Rubbish. Yeah, medical miracles everywhere. Just medical like miracles. Now, here's the New York Times assailing those who suggest that one player in particular uh, was a crisis actor. Uh, after they uh, claim here such there that after any major attack, you're likely to find in some dark corner of the internet conspiracy theories that the survivors or victims made it all up or were part of a troop of paid crisis actors. Well, they may or may not be paid, but they seem to be, you know, eager participants. Such theories after the massacre in Las Vegas in October at a gay nightclub in Orlando at Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown. It happened again this month after 17 people were killed in the school shooting in Parkland. Well, we've already seen from Sandy Hook the girls alive and well. They didn't die after all. At Las Vegas, Mona Alexis Presley has been tracking down following up on the obituaries and fines are based on people who died in different states or on different dates or for different uh, causes of death. In Orlando, the permit for the club had expired three years before. It wasn't even open. It had 150 occupancy, legal occupancy, only 11 parking places. If more than 300 had been crammed into the club that would have abandoned vehicles everywhere, they were not there. You had very amateurish uh, crisis actors, even clownishly carrying one another around as soon as they caught out of camera range, they'd put them down and do a little jig because they thought they'd done so well. A correspondent wrote me to say it wasn't even a gay club. The Orlando Emergency Medical Center has announced it's not billing anyone for services. When's the last time you heard of a hotel not charging for a Band-Aid? This is completely ridiculous. They don't want to be, uh, they don't want to be charged with fraud because they, they didn't render any services. And yet you got a history professor at Princeton, Kevin M. Cruz. This theme that anyone agitating for change must be either an outside agitator or must have been paid or put up to it as one that runs throughout American history when he has no idea what he's talking about. 
I wrote to him as a graduate of Princeton myself and sent him uh, uh, f- f- copies of uh, links to videos of mine discussing the events at Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, uh, Charlottesville, and, and Las Vegas, where I've won now that includes Parkland too. They're entitled False Flags on Five Fronts and Fake News on Five Fronts. Check them out. And here we have from Las Vegas, we have 33 videos we've inspected where you can hear lots of sounds of shots, but no actual people being shot because they were using a pre-recorded soundtrack of a machine gun firing played through the, the PA system for the concert. Here's a new video that's emerged where you get a crisis director getting out and directing two of the crisis actors. This has nothing to do with calling for change. This is an outright fraud on the American people. Now, here we get this fellow, David Hogg, who, who was uh, in front of the camera just six months ago uh, for a, a controversy that occurred on Red, in Redondo Beach in California, where a friend of his put a surf guard on the trash bin, which turned out to be illegal, got into an exchange with a lifeguard, which CBS just happened to be there to pick up. Turns out, here you have him uh, uh, with fellow teen activists and CBS reporter, Gisela Perez, later taken down after Kristen Taylor of the Gateway Republic reported on the photo shoot and how it's strange that the all parties look so cheerful and enthusiastic in the wake of such a tragedy. Uh, I, I mean, this is absolutely uh, unbelievable. Uh, then we have his first interview where he five times stopped back to repeat because he wants to stay on the script. This is obviously not a person. Who's, who's reporting what he sincerely believes based on his own experience. He's trying to stay on the script. We even have photographs suggest that he graduated from uh, Redondo Union or Redondo Shores High School in 2014, four years ago. He, he's not, in fact, actually a student who belongs at Parkland. And, in fact, a, an old video has now surfaced from one of his classmates saying he shouldn't even be in our school. He's 25 from California with the annotation, my debate partner is a crisis actor. Get this. Watch this interview. Like he's not even supposed to be in our school. He's like 25 and he's from California, even though he's my debate partner. What the hell? I mean, that's pretty damn interesting if you ask me. I'll repeat it again. Like he's not even supposed to be in our school. He's like 25 and he's from California, even though he's my debate partner. What the hell? Shocking. Well, it turns out not to be his uh, uh, 25, it appears, but older enough. And Hogg was actually doing interviews with students, which are very interesting to watch. Listen to this. Hello. At around 2.30, we heard a gunshot in my AP environmental science class, and we initially thought it was a drill, and then we heard multiple, we heard more gunshots, and that was when we realized that this was not a drill. This was life or death. So it's now 3.13, and we've heard supposedly it's a senior, not confirmed at all. The senior is believed to be in Nick Cruz, but this has not been confirmed. This is the latest information that we have, though. We still believe that the person has been uh, neutralized. 
but we're still currently on lockdown. We're on lockdown because there's active shooting. We thought it was a fire drill, went outside, and then people started running because there were shots. I didn't hear them personally. And then I started running. So what's your message? Um, I really don't think there's anything to say, but there shouldn't have to be. Because if you looked around this closet and saw everyone just hiding together, you would know that this shouldn't be happening anymore and that it doesn't deserve to happen to anyone and that no amount of money should make it more easily accessible to get guns. Um, and that's that. So here during this uh, during this event, this traumatic event, uh, he seems to already know the name of the shooter. That's at 3.13 when it, it turns out the shooter wouldn't be identified until 3.42. So it's very interesting. He seems to have advanced knowledge. And notice he, he's interviewing them about gun control during the shooting <laughs> itself. I'm telling you. that It's, gets- so, it's so pathetic, Jim. I, I just, it's just terrible. It is. It is disgusting, Gary. It is disgusting. I don't see how they take that guy seriously. He's just such a twerp. Well, we're going to get more on him, and you're going to find it. It really is a shocking situation. Many students and and faculty who were at the high school during the shooting thought it was a drill after they were told in advance that role players would be conducting a fake code run, including, you know, with makeup. Here, here it turns out, we'll see, they actually use fake blood as occurred in Boston. Notice here, when you peer through the smoke, there are bodies that are missing arms and legs, but there is no blood. The blood only shows up later, and it came out of tubes. Actually, it came out of these orange duffel bags. You see one in the foreground. There were several scattered around afterwards uh, where they, they – these were fake blood kits. And notice how this is unlike, unlike real blood – Unlike real blood uh, that uh, that turns dark because it deoxygenates, this is a fake blood uh, that uh, never changes color. Uh, what happened here is we have only one video clip of which I'm aware that's less than a single minute long, released by by live leaks uh, from inside a classroom. Now you'd think that uh, with students, thousands of students with a cell phone and cameras, that they'd be taking that they'd be taking, uh, 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 you know, photographs uh, all over the place. And, the and, and in high definition, Jim, and in high definition. And in high definition. But notice the red there. It's the bright red. It's not real blood. And here you can see, I want you to watch this. This is the less than one-minute clip. <laughs> And look at those legs on that dummy. It's flat as a pancake. Now, one of the girls even talks about her bottled water. You got a kid pulling on his putts. You got a police officer carrying a student out who doesn't suffer from any obvious wounds. 
you got this body line there, but it does look like a real body. Take, take, take another look at this one. It's interesting enough. There's been a, a further comment that a, a figure in the background appears to be a dummy. <laughs> look at the legs on the body. It's flat. Well, you get the idea. This is totally staged. And the fact that we only have this one video implies that it's all been very carefully crafted to release only what they think is the most, uh, the public would find most convincing. And now, out of focus. Out of focus. Yeah. Did there wasn't mind? one clear image on the entire video. It was, remember when we tried to stop it? You had one of your friends tell you that there's, when you stop it, it's all blurry? Yes. Yes, yes. It's just something that doesn't happen anymore. Then get this. They're they're scripting what they're putting out to the public. CNN had a gun control town hall with scripted questions. It was 100% staged, just like the events at the school. CNN staged a fake scripted town hall in the Florida shooting. To no one's surprise, the entire event was scripted as an elaborate media theater to push the left's radical gun control agenda. Marjorie Stoneman, Douglas High School student, Colton Hub, said he was approached by CNN to ask a question at Wednesday night's town hall, but decided not to after the network gave him a scripted question, quashing one he himself wrote. Hobb, a member of the junior ROTC, shielded students while the school was under attack from the shooter, uh, said he was going to ask about using veterans as armed security guards. Uh, but uh, they'd originally asked him to write a speech and questions, but it ended up being all scripted, he told the local reporter. Uh, he, CNN opted to leave him out of Wednesday's town hall event because his perspective didn't fit the narrative they'd been peddling. CNS, of course, is the same discredited fake news network that routinely uses plants in the audience and secretly gives debate questions to Democratic candidates in advance of the debates. They've previously been caught staging focus groups to make sure participants are nearly 100% pro-Clinton. And Hillary Clinton, the darling of CNN, has repeatedly been caught using child actors to plant scripted questions. CNN has a long history of allowing political plants to flourish in its published forums, warns Michelle Malkin in the New York Post. At the cable station's Democratic debate in Las Vegas in 2007, Moderator Wolf Blitzer introduced several citizen questioners as ordinary people, undecided voters, but they turned out to include a former Arkansas Democratic Director of Political Affairs, the president of the Islamic Society of Nevada, and a far-left anti-war activist who'd been quoted in newspapers lambasting Harry Reid for his failure to pull out of Iraq. Here's another from the father. CNN has turned a number of the survivors of the Parkland into many celebrities in the wake of the massacre. It's seldom the case you see survivors do speak out, so you can't blame the network for giving them airtime. But we can blame CNN for using the survivors of a tragedy as pawns for gun control. 
while we don't mean to attack the students personally, having survived such a tragedy doesn't add any validity to their calls for gun control, especially since I haven't seen any actual concrete proposals from these students. I've just seen them call for action. What kind of action? Who knows? Just action. So they want politicians to do something. What that something is isn't explained. And that continues to this day, Gary and Don. We're getting reports on TV of a lot of students out there. They're saying enough. and They're saying do something. But they have no idea what is supposed to be done. It, it, likewise, views of the Parklands are favors who don't believe in gun control, that gun control is the answer, aren't any more valid either. either. But they do exist, and CNN is not giving them uh, airtime. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just so scripted. Here's also from Zero Hedge. The latest embarrassing blow to CNN's already tattered credibility emerged last night when Colton Hab, the student who first exposed CNN for pushing him to ask a scripted question during Wednesday night's town hall, appeared on Tucker Carlson tonight to offer even more shocking details. Yesterday, we noted that he had come forward to say he decided not to attend because it was scripted. Now he explains that they actually said over the phone that I needed to stick to the script. That's a producer speaking to him. I mean, that's how it was. Other experts agree it was a PSYOP. Yeah, and Wolfgang Halbig on uh, the Caravan to Midnight with John B. Wells. Now, this is particularly interesting because Wolfgang is a nationally recognized school security expert who actually designed the school safety protocols for the Broward schools, including this one. So he makes uh, observations about security cameras with a 27-minute delay, officers with guns that stand down. It turns out four officers didn't even go in. Multiple students claiming multiple shooters, faculty meeting that morning, warning they might have an active shooter drill. 3,500 students herded into gunfire for a fire drill without the administration checking the alarm. 17 dead and zero family lawsuits. That's if they had actually been real. Here's some of the similarities he points out. No trauma helicopters, no EMTs allowed to enter the school. Triage area set up 300 yards away. Ambulances 300 yards away. Bodies left overnight in the school. Well, this is like Sandy Hook because there weren't any bodies in the school. Indeed, they would ultimately have to to require those who participated in demolishing the elementary school in Newtown to lifetime gag orders that they could never talk about anything they saw or didn't saw, see, which would have included no blood on the floors and no pock marks in the wall. We were asking to go in. EMT at Parkland speaks out, pulls no punches. This is incredible. We already know not one but four Broward County Sheriff's Office deputies took up positions outside the high school rather than enter the school. Now Brian Enton of WSVN in Miami has spoken to an emergency medical responder, one of the first, who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Everything I was trained on mass casualty events says they did the, the wrong thing. You don't wait for the scene to be cleared. You go and immediately retrieve the victims. You can't leave the victims lying there. We were not, we were asked to go in Asking the scene, we were asking to go in, asking the scene commander to go in. Why are we all standing around? Why are we not having patients to treat? Why are we not going into the building and retrieving the kids? The response every time was law enforcement did not clear the scene and would not allow medical uh, personnel in. 
Even Miles Mathis has nailed this as another see-through psyop. We're less than a week out from the stage event. Already conspiracy theorists have combined plenty of good evidence showing it was staged. Multiple students confirmed the school conducted active shooter training a month before. One student said there were rumors active drill was going to happen soon. They'd already had a fire drill earlier. Most students admit they thought it was a drill. Many students report gunshots from multiple locations, claiming two or three shooters. Many students interviewed showed very little emotion. We even get a few can't stop smiling. Like the girl who claimed she spoke with Nicholas Cruz as he was exiting the building with the other students. If you had just been terrorized by a school shooting and found out you actually spoke with a shooter on your way out of the building, wouldn't you be chuckling about it so casually? There was also a former FBI agent interviewed on Wolf Blitzer who does the worst impression of someone breaking down crying I've ever seen. Then there are the dozens of pictures of students, parents, community members making crying faces without any tears. Then we have uh, uh, Robert David Steele uh, talking about hashtag Google Gestapo deleting accounts that conflict with the official narrative. The USA is now officially Stalinist in its treatment of information that is not approved. Here's an email with many links from a person whose entire digital life has been deleted by social media talking about what happened at Sandy Hook. They're treating information the way Germany treats those who question the Holocaust, the common connection Zionists. We're also taking an interest in Broward County, which appears to have a much higher proportion of judges and county officials who are active pedophiles, and even in some cases, active murderous pedophiles. This is from Robert David Steele. Here, here he copies part of a report from a woman who's had her site wiped out on the day of the shooting. The state legislature was supposed to vote on SB 1236, which would allow teachers and staff to be armed in schools. Since its false flag PSYOP occurred, the vote on that bill was killed in the state legislature. Similar scenario with the Fort Lauderdale Airport shooting. On that day, the Florida state legislature was to vote on some pro-gun bills, one for licensed open carry, one for campus carry, and one to end all gun-free zones. As a result of the airport false flag PSYOP, those few pro-gun bills never got voted on and were scrapped entirely. This means when the next false flag PSYOP occurs in Broward County, it'll be on a day the Florida State Legislature is to vote on either a single pro-gun or numerous pro-gun bills. And then you have Steve Pachinik again. He's comparing what happened in Parkland with Sandy Hook, where nobody died. We've shown the school was closed by 2008. It was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards damaged by hurricanes. They had a major flood in 2007. The school was closed. There were no students there. Censoring analysis of the production. I was interviewed on the Richie Allen Show on Monday, February 19th, to talk about Parkland. Here here he he writes about my coming on the show. Uh, Jim discusses a many unanswered question about last week's Florida school shooting. Don't miss this. But it was taken down. The Richie Allen Show YouTube channel has been t- deleted after an interview with Jim Fetzer about the anomalies with the media reporting of the school shooting in Parkland, one of many victims of censorship. Uh, this is written by Richie. Further to my post this morning, Google YouTube has deleted my channel, citing a third community guideline strike. This time it was my interview with Jim Fetzer last Monday. Jim came on to state in his opinion there were anomalies with the media reporting. The interview can be heard here. 
you can hear me repeatedly challenge Jim, as I always do with any guest who makes highly controversial claims. Jim concedes several times his opinion is just his opinion. I might be right in believing the narrative. Yet Google YouTube claims it's harassment or bullying. Of whom exactly? The victims' families or the people of that community? That's ridiculous. I argued with Jim, who's a gentleman, whether you agree with him or not. I challenged everything he said. He didn't harass or bully anyone. Jim's a former commander of Marine Corps drill instructors and officer and a man who's published multiple peer-reviewed papers and books on critical thinking. He's an academic man, which is why I invite him on every six months or so. I've appealed. I've told Google at no time in the last three and a half years of the show has, been, has a third party been harassed or bullied, let alone threatened. But that's what they're doing. We, we had an exchange on Skype. I said, sorry to hear you were taken down, mate. Was it our show that did you in three strikes, Jim? They allege that on three occasions my interviews contained uh, ha- harassing uh, 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 a third party. But there wasn't anything. The ones that are doing the harassing are, are, are YouTube and Google. My chat with you is a final one. Our chat was all about uh, that is good, all that is good about broadcasting and academics being challenged. And back of his theories, you're doing that. I'm challenged. Great debate, both fair and certainly not threatening or harassing. What, what I was uh, did an interview with uh, Dean Ryan that, about the Florida massacre. It was only 15 minutes they, long. It only contained images of me and of Ryan. You can see in the top right-hand corner there it was immediately taken down for violating YouTube's policy on violent or graphic content. But there wasn't any violent or graphic content. We appear to be in the midst of a three-stage coup designed to take down America, as, as Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show has explained. Uh, first of all, stifle all conservative speech, really rational discourse and debate about what's going on. Uh, this is what we're witnessing all across America in places like our universities, YouTube, Google, Twitter, and Facebook. It's an, a savage attack on the First Amendment. Second, they have to take our guns. Presently, there's an estimated 300 million handguns in America. False flags are being employed in a full-court press to get legislation against the Second Amendment. Why? Because an unarmed populace cannot defend itself from despots if they don't have access to guns. The University of Hawaii's democide project demonstrated that in the 20th century, there were 19 genocides, and each one was preceded by gun confiscation. America's now entered this very dangerous phase. Third, you have to get dissenters who set a bad example out of the public arena because they they, uh, are going to disturb the public. So we're going to put them in the American gulags, which we call FEMA camps, that will very soon come into practice. Gary, you need to take a break. Oh, well, we, we've gone an hour, I was saying. Well, this is just fine, Gary. This is a fine place to stop. There's much more. But I'm telling you, this was completely outrageous, totally fraudulent deception on the American people, using false flags to perpetuate, you know, a democratic political agenda to save Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Uh, uh, from embarrassment when so many Democrats go down to defeat by using students as activists for the DNC. It's a, it's a shameless, opportunistic exploitation of young people for to promote a political agenda. Gary, Don, thank you for joining me today on The Real Deal. This is uh, Jim Fetzer, your host, thanking you all for watching. 
Have you ever wondered if we really did go to the moon? If Paul McCartney died in 1966 and was replaced by an even better musician? Did you know that Saddam Hussein died in a B-1 bomber strike on 7 April 2003 and was replaced by one of his doubles who was put on trial and hanged in his place? Or that Osama bin Laden died in Afghanistan on 15 December 2001 and was buried in an unmarked grave in accordance with Muslim traditions? That the raid in Pakistan was faked? There is more, including four chapters about the end of World War II, which prove that events we have been taught were very different than we have been told. Don't let yourself be played. Check out, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either. Hi, this is Gary King. If you're interested in the book, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, with the moon landing, Paul McCartney, Osama bin Laden, and the hoax of the century that is unspeakable, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com.